I came today with uh, update information about um, our ministry, our service here in, uh, in Moldova and Bulgaria. How you know, we began a kids center last year and we are very happy because God opened the doors to this new generation and we can go to their houses and we can to see how we're living and be like an answer from God to this new generation. May God bless you. Thank you very much for who involved in uh, stay with us in this ministry. May God bless you. One nice thing that happens in this summer, last summer, uh, we had the five days of camp for youth and teenager. It was a great time. Five days, day and night, they stay with us and we can impact them with word of God and we see this atmosphere of Christian people. A miracle was two young people was uh, baptized in water and it was big testimony for others. We see how God works in their lives. We see how God opened their lives to him and uh, we are very glad to be answered for these kids. Dear brothers and sisters, near to our church we have a land for sale and we, we need this land for to be large, this ministry for kids. We need this piece of land for our ministry. If you have this possibility and desire from God, help us. May God bless you in this. In Alexander Yonkuza village, we begin one year ago, begin to build a church building, but half of this building will be kids center because in this village, we have terrible situation with families. Many kids, they live with their grandparents in a house is like a chicken house. So we want to be answered for this new generation. Dear brothers and sisters, if you have desire and you have the desire to help us in this ministry, please be part in this ministry in this last day. May God bless you with deep respect. Marine Vishlyu, Pastor Miller Church, Republic of Moldova, Volcanier City. May God bless you, dear brothers and sisters. Now, I was a... Uh... Two-time Geography B champion. So I know where Moldova was. Do you know where Moldova is? Probably don't. It's close to Russia. So we actually, you know what? You know, we have a special visitor this morning. Marine, will you come down here? So we got the man with us. Yeah. He's, he's just going to take a few moments and just kind of lay out his vision, his heart, share some things. And he's my new friend, and I'm looking forward uh, to introducing him. You know, last year we took an offering for what was taking place because Moldova is right in the border of the... And these guys are in the middle of a very difficult time in life right now. No, Pastor Marine, will you just bless us? Thank you very much. Good morning. Good morning. God is good. And I'm very glad to be this morning with you and worship God and meet you. And, you know, we are a big family of God all over this world. And our vision is to proclaim gospel of Jesus Christ. This is our vision. Amen? So God used us in different ways for his reason. This is why we came in this earth. May God bless you. So how I told, my name is Marin Bishliu. I'm pastor of New Life Church from Republic of Moldova, Vulcanier City. I have a family. Uh, we have six kids. So God is good. So we are very happy to live this life and uh, to be used by God, but by his grace. 
not by our power, our wisdom, but by Spirit of the Lord. It's a big blessing. So I think what I can see, uh, say you in a few minutes, uh, I want to, first of all, I want to greet you from our church and from my personal family. So I give you greetings from, uh, from our country, from our church people who believe in Jesus, uh, new generation, uh, which we try to reach them for, uh, for the kingdom of God and God doing great works. So we are very happy you be using by, by God. Uh, secondly, I want to uh, be uh, very thankful today and uh, say about my friends is uh, brother Jerry and Carol. Yuri and Lina Yalanji here lives in Billings. So uh, Jerry was in my church in 2005. It was almost 20 years ago. But when we came first time, it was, was first American and last American people who uh, visit us. It was big impact for me because in that time I was 25 and I was ready to quit for ministry. I began ministry when I was 21. We had uh, two kids already. So all my life is for, for Jesus. So, but it was a difficult time. And I always remember the time when we came and how big impact was for my life. I can't speak English in that time very well, but I remember words, what I remember today. They speak me, everybody of them, they says, you're a pastor, you're a, you're a son of God. You have a vision, you d do a great job. It was encouraged for me. And I'm thinking, okay, if somebody looks, sees something, I have to go forward. So, Jerry, Carol, thank you very much for your family. May God bless you. I'm very glad to be connected with your, your church first time. And uh, it's a big blessing for me. So I want to uh, say you about um, this video clip a little bit. We work mostly today, in this day, with young generation. Because we try, it's calling from God to us. So when today churches came and says, we don't have a youth group in church, we have 45 youth group already today. We have 35 teenagers in church today. It's not from Christian family. It's outreach. This camp, I just say it's camp, but it was outreach camp. 85% is not Christian, Christian guys and girls in this camp. And God touched their heart. This is my vision. And I want to leave you one verse from Bible. It's Rome chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of gospel. Amen. Be not ashamed Amen. of gospel of Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter where you are, in your job place, in school, in somewhere, don't be ashamed. You know, many years ago, I was like ashamed a little bit. I was young and very poor, <laughs> very poor. And when people ask you what job you do, but Moldova is the poorest country in Europe. Even Ukraine has a war, Moldova is still the poorest country in the Europe, East Europe. And when you don't have a job, you say, ah, I'm in ministry. What, what kind of ministry? So like that. But today everything has changed. But by God's grace. Thank you very much for your supporting when it was this terrible time when Ukraine refugees came to our church. We live just uh, three, uh, five miles from the border of Ukraine. A lot of people came. Was not far away, was bombed in port in Ukraine. It's 30 miles from Vulcanir City. 
So it's, you know, you, you're living, but you're thinking about calling of God. When the war begins, I, I says to my wife, let I, uh, you take your kids and go to America for a while. I will stay in Moldova. She looks in my eyes and says, no. No. How it happens like a long time ago. When I was quit from ministry, she says, you can't go. I will stay here. So may God bless you. I know it's calling of God. It's, uh, we have to pay a price. It's different price, but don't be ashamed of gospel of Jesus Christ. May God bless you. Thank you very much. Stay up there. Stay up there. I want to pray for you. All right, now, I like this man. You can see that he's being used by the Lord. And I just want to just lay out a little vision for you. You know, I, I, you said no, one's, no American's been there since 2005? So he, he talked to me, and I said, I would like to go to Moldova, and I would like to do a pastor conference, because I've been doing them in Pakistan, Nepal, and India. And he said, we would love to have you in Moldova. <laughs> so I was very excited about that. So, you know, it's a wonderful thing when you can not just be part of the missions, but actually step into it and have the help of the church to do that. So I want you to reach a hand out to him. We're going to pray for him because I believe the Lord's doing a tremendous thing in his life. So Father, over this man of God and I, Lord, uh, for finances to come in, in incredible supernatural ways, I pray for that piece of property. And I pray that there would be such a harvest of souls and young people that surround him. I pray for the apostolic fatherly call that's on his life. Lord, I just thank you that you're going to use him to reach a generation of people in powerful and unique ways. Father, open up doors and give him favor. We pray that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. 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 All right, brother, we love you. Yes, you're a good man. Isn't he great? All right, so... uh, We'll take an offering here at the end of the service. Uh, We'll make the checks out to Bethany Church. Everything gets to go there. But he's really just touched my heart and what the Lord is doing in different places of the world. It is an incredible hour to be alive in case you didn't know it. I mean, you're watching the Bible come to pass, man. And so when you look at what's going on in the Ukraine, what's taking place in Israel, I mean, aren't you grateful that you know how the book plays out? I'm grateful for that. Now, I'm in a series in the book of Romans, which is a road less traveled. Romans chapter 12. And uh, that's where I'll be at this morning. I set the series in motion with the prompting of the Holy Spirit. had been a lifetime goal of mine. And I kind of feel like it's just come at this perfect timing. I've had so many people tell me how much they appreciate it. I think we got some syllables, syllabuses out back there if you need to grab one. I want to read Romans 12, 1 and 2, which I think are some of the greatest verses in the Bible. They give you some incredible clues about how you got to live your life and change your thought life. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, here's our text. Paul said, I'm begging you, brothers, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then he said, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed uh, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Amen, amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the will of God. I pray in our lives. I pray that we'd step in it, walk in it, know it. I pray it would be revealed to us. And I thank you for uh, great and mighty things that are ahead in our days. We get to be part of it. I thank you that we wouldn't have a spirit of fear, but we'd have an overcoming spirit in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Now, you didn't know where Moldova was, did you? You see the map we put up there? It showed the Ukraine and it showed Romania. I was asking him, how do you fly into Moldova. And he said, you need to fly through Romania, through Bucharest. And that reminded me of my grandpa. Because one morning, he and I were out having breakfast at Stella's. 
for some pancakes. And uh, the lady who came over was a waitress. She had an accent. I said, where's your accent from? She said, I'm from Romania. And my grandpa said, oh, well, I've been to Romania. She said, you, you, you've been to Romania? What did you do in Romania? And he said, uh, I bombed it. Yeah, it was World War II, man. He was a nose gunner to B-24. She wasn't happy about it. <laughs> but my grandpa had a duty to his country. And uh, he would tell me about his war stories in the, way, in the New Testament. And it reveals these cardinal doctrines like the fall of man, the sinful condition that we find ourselves in before we have justification by faith in Jesus. And, and the spiritual regeneration we have, the union that we have with Christ through the work of the cross, the adoption we have as sons of God, the process of sanctification where God just starts cleansing you and cleaning you up. And then we talked about predestination and God's sovereignty just a little bit in the nation of Israel. Now, chapter 12 is where we make a little bit of a pivot here. And we go from doctrinal over into the practical thing. You know, all of the Apostle Paul's epistles follow the same pattern. He would talk about doctrinal things, and then he'd transition over the practical side. How are you going to live your life? And so I'm going to highlight some of these duties of a disciple, which are real practical. I've learned a long time ago, if a thing isn't practical, it certainly isn't spiritual. Uh, How are you going to live your life as a believer? You have a duty to the Lord like my grandfather had a duty to his country. And so how does this apply in your life? I want to read to you here this first verse, which talks about being a living sacrifice. That's the first duty you have. You are a living sacrifice. That's why he said, I'm begging you, brothers, by the mercy of God, that you present your body. That means you surrender, you yield, you give it over to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. So not, not, not a legal sacrifice, but a, but a living sacrifice. That's what he's talking about here. Uh, a living sacrifice that is like a yielded vessel to the Lord. And this is where you got to present your bodies over to him. That, that's what he's talking about here. It's a sweet-smelling aroma. That's what Paul described in Philippians chapter 4. That's well-pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. So this verse gives me some clues about my sacrifice and how I want to surrender my life over to the Lord. How can you and I can offer, how can we offer our lives as a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord? Uh, the first thing I would just point out is surrendering our worship. Interesting translation here. He talked about this being um, a, a reasonable service. That's how the New King James translates it. But the NIV calls it a, a spiritual act of worship. And, and what happens is when you surrender your worship, it's like you're putting your hands up to the Lord, surrendering it in battle. That's why I like to come to church services, put my hands up in the air, and I like to offer up a sacrifice of praise, which the Bible calls a sweet-smelling aroma. I'm lifting up his name. And you know what I've discovered is that this is something I need to personally do more and more when I'm feeling helpless, when I'm feeling... I want to just bless him. I want to worship him. I want to surrender when I don't know what to do, when I'm feeling helpless, when I'm feeling frustrated. I just like to lift up my hands as a sacrifice of praise and bless the Lord. That's the way I can surrender to him. I'm a living sacrifice that I bless him. Another way to surrender yourself fully is what the second verse says. Surrender your mind. I love this verse, man. If you could get a hold of this verse, it would transform your life. Because he said, do not be transformed or do not be conformed to the world. That means don't, don't fit in its mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh, I love that verse. Only the word of God gets to transform your mind. 
And I like the Greek word for transform. It's the Greek word metamorpho, where we get the idea of a metamorphosis, because that's where a lot of people are. They're like caterpillars before they become butterflies. That's what the will of God is for you. It's to become a beautiful butterfly in the name of Jesus. And I've seen that transformation take place. Now, I got to go to the Teen Challenge banquet this last week. Are my Teen Challenge friends over here? They were at the banquet. We had a lot of fun. And you know what was amazing about it was seeing uh, the destructor, Ryan Club, who used to dumpster dive for heroin. And now he gets to be like the director of the program. He looks like a different man. Someone described him as like a banker, the way he had to dress in his little outfit. (laughs) I got a kick out of it. I'm just telling you that the Word of God can change your mind. It can get you out of dumpster diving for heroin and help you be a leader in the house of the Lord. Only the Bible can do that. You know, there's a, there's a verse for every problem you ever face. Man, you, you know, if you got money problems, I like what the Bible says, that my God supplies all my need according to riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You got marriage problems? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. It just says, husbands ought to love your wife. That would take care of half your problem right there. And wives got to respect your husbands. If you've got problems with fear and anxiety, I like what 2 Timothy 1.7 says. He's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I mean, if you need the peace of God in your life, Philippians says he gives it to you in a way that passes all understanding. I'm just telling you, you know the word of God. It will change and transform your life. You surrender your mind over to it. Watch what it does in your life. Yeah. And then when you have that, that's where you'll surrender your will. The verse tells us to prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. If it's proved, it's got to be tested. It has to be tried. And when you've been through some testing, that's when you discover what is good, acceptable, and perfect in the eyes of the Lord. That, that's, some people think you know, this describes levels of the will of God. I think the verse is better understood that the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. It's pleasing to God. How do I know when I'm in the will of God? Because I have his peace in my life and his blessing follows. It's the goodness of the Lord that manifests in my life and helps bring deliverance to me. And I'm grateful for it. I want to be in the will of God for my life every day. Man, I'm asking him, am I in your will today? What do I need to do to honor you today? There's a blessing that comes with that. Now, let me give you a second duty of a disciple here. Romans chapter 12. I'm, I'm staying in these chapters today. It tells us in the fourth verse, as we have many members in one body, that, that, you know, that's describing how people operate in churches, but he's using the idea of like your eyeballs and your toenails. He, he said they don't have the same function, but he said weaving many are one body in Christ, and individually we're in covenant with one another through the blood of Jesus. We're members of one another. He tells us that we all have different gifts according to the grace that's given to us. So, The way that you and I can be a disciple is through our servanthood, through sharing the gifts that God gives us as servants. And you know what I've discovered about servants is that the highest place you'll ever arrive at in your Christian life is when you become a servant. And, And there's no deeper place, there's no greater place that you can arrive at. The most spiritually mature people I know are servants. It's what Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. So I just covered these, you know, spiritual gifts in the month of August. We kind of went through them. This is called the motivational gifts, and we did a study on them. But it isn't enough for you to study them. You're going to actively have to use them. So I just want to highlight some of these, you know, gifts. Like he talks here in the uh, sixth verse about prophecy. 
That's not just foretelling the future. That's when you feel inspired maybe to share something with someone. And I've had, you know, people who've just blessed me with an exhortation and encouragement from scripture. And, and, and I felt the Lord, you know, in his voice in that. It, it's a prophetic word that brought me comfort, edification, exhortation in my life. Verse, verse seven, he talked about the, uh, the ministry gift. That's, the, um, that's like the gift of helps. When you just love to be a servant to somebody. Where's my Aunt Marsha? Is she in here? My Aunt Marsha's got this most amazing servant gift. She's a Swiss army knife of servants. She can work with kids. She can cook. She has compassion for people. I mean, she can be anything she needs to be as a servant. It's really a remarkable thing. That's called a spiritual gift, ministry. Uh, I just want to be a servant. Uh, There's the teaching gift, which is like uh, when you can take something and make it simple so people understand it. I always get a kick out of people who try to overcomplicate things, and it seems like sometimes the more complicated something is, people have an idea that it's more spiritual. It's certainly not the case. Uh, The exhortation gift, the encouragement gift. It is so easy to identify the flaws of people. You know that? I mean, it it really isn't too difficult to see their problems, but it does take someone with the gift of encouragement to identify what they do well and then communicate it with them. So they get built up and edified and excited about themselves. Man, that is a spiritual gift. Uh, there's the gift of giving when you're generous. And these are some of my most favorite, famous or favorite people. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I like givers. Uh, the gift of leadership, administration. I know all kinds of people who want to be in like leadership, but they can't organize their garage. Can't get a closet put together. They want to lead things. If you have this gift, you'll be able to organize, lead, facilitate, and be a blessing to people around you. And then of course, the gift of mercy, where you overlook faults And you have compassion for people. You can see beyond some of the sin they might be stuck in and see the potential that's in their life. And these are your spiritual gifts. There's many more of these gifts, man. I mean, I have people who have musical abilities uh, and and, and God uses their intellect. God uses them in marvelous ways. And and you have those gifts. The Bible says in 1 Peter, as each one has received a gift, minister to it. That's what you got to do. You got to use the gifts God has given you. That's called being a servant. Uh, You know what else you got to serve is our society. You got to share your gifts, and then you got to serve in the society we're a part of. Uh, super simple. The very simple way to do that, and that's just by being a loving person. Super simple. Walk in the love of God. That's why verse nine tells us that love is without without hypocrisy. Like, can you love your neighbor? That means that if they leave the trash out, you can go move it out on the street so that the uh, trash collection can come get it. You want to be a good neighbor? Uh, buy all the groceries you need so you're not knocking at my door asking for like vanilla and eggs, diapers. Yeah. I had some neighbors one time like that. <laughs> so you want to be a good neighbor? Watch out for people. Love them. Um, if you want to be a, a, a good friend, you got to learn how to love people. Friends are the people that will tell you the truth. And friends will be with you through thick and through thin. And you know these are the kind of people that will be patient with you in a trial. That's what's in the passage of scripture here in the book of Romans. Uh, there are people who will be hospitable, distributing the needs of other people. There are people who will not repay evil for evil. They see the best in you. That is what the book of Romans here in chapter 12 is talking about. How can you be a blessing in the society around you? It's not just good enough to share your gifts and you know, serve people and be a friend to, and a good neighbor. You're actually also going to have to love your enemies, which means that when you feel triggered, you can still love people. I mean, there's things I see on social media or I'm driving someplace and 
I get triggered emotionally, and so what do I do? I pray for that situation. I pray for people who might have hurt me. I pray for people that maybe I've got some pains in my past. And that is the way, verse 21 says, that you overcome evil with good, is by learning how to love people, learning how to pray for them, learning how to lift up their name and go to the Lord for it. And that's what this book is about. It's really interesting. As long as you're around people, you will always have the opportunity to be a servant to somebody. It doesn't matter where you go, what you do. When you're around somebody, you can find an opportunity to love them. You can find an opportunity to bless them. It's the love of God at work. And it brings me to the third thing I want to highlight. Chapter 13. This is where you get into some interesting territory. This is the third duty of a disciple. And this one has to do with being citizens. Let every soul, that be you and me up here in church, be subject to the governing authority. That will be the government. There's no authority that exists except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. So here's what you and I are. We get to be citizens. Your duty as a disciple is to be a living sacrifice where you're surrendering to the Lord. It's to be a servant to somebody with the gifts God has given you. And then we get into the idea of being a citizen of a country. You know, a citizen is someone who's legally recognized as a member of a nation or a state. And we got to bring the man from Moldova here this morning. And so you get to meet people from across the world. I personally love being an American, and I loved it in Pakistan. Because, you know, we were worried about getting arrested. They do arrest people in Pakistan. The place was blowing up. And I was asking them, do you think we'll be in trouble? And the Pakistani said, no way, man. You guys are Americans. <laughs> no, no one's going to touch Americans. And I was sure happy for that, because in Europe, they don't treat you like that. <laughs> I'm grateful for my American status. You know, that's what Paul had in the Roman Empire. He was a citizen of Rome, Acts 22. And it's interesting that Paul would bring up this topic as he's dealing here with the Roman people in the Roman Empire. I mean, if you think America has some problems, why don't you do a little study about the Roman Empire? It's amazing to me. I was just there in Rome in the month of March, and I learned so much about it. I learned so much about their society. And, and you know, if you think that some of the immorality that we have here is a problem. Just study the ancient world. It's what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes. There's no new sin under the sun. And they, they've had problems going all the way back. When you are a citizen, it means that you live under authority, which means that you have to submit to the government. You, you live according to the rules of the land, the laws of the land. You have to obey the laws, like the speed limit. Now, I had a problem speeding for years, but now I have an old Suburban, and it's slow. It's heavy. You can't really speed the thing very fast, so I don't get tickets anymore. Now the problem is stopping at stop signs completely. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, you know, the laws of the land. Don't shoplift. Don't steal. These are things that, as believers, you and I are responsible for. Uh, if you want to live under authority, you actively need to honor people who are in positions of authority. You know, it's a difficult thing sometimes to want to pray for the government. You know what I'm saying? Some of those clowns make you want to smack them, right? But I've been praying for them. And if you think Joe Biden is bad, you should study the Roman emperor Tiberius. I can't even tell you what he would do to children in a church service. It would shock you to find out how wicked he was. The annuals of history prayers. And you know, I'm so appreciative for what he said in Israel. 
he, he supports them completely. In fact, he came out and said that he was a Zionist, which means he supports the rights of Israel to exist as a nation. That brought great comfort to me as an American. So I'm praying for him. I'm praying for the clowns who lead our government and can't seem to get it formed together. Come on, somebody. Amen. We are praying. That's the best thing you can do. Honor people who are in positions of authority. I know it frustrates you, but sometimes if you actually did meet a politician who maybe you don't agree with, the best play for you to make is to acknowledge them, honor them, and tell them that you're praying for them. You know what you got to do when you have to submit to the government? You got to pay your taxes. Romans chapter 13, verse 7. I don't, that verse says that you pay taxes to whom taxes are due. Now, I've seen people who spiritualize the verse. They'll say, no, this is about like paying tithes and uh, no, it's not. This verse is literal. It means that we pay taxes. There's two things that you can't get away from in life, death and taxes. You got to pay them. Now, my sister Jessica had her first job years ago, and she was so excited uh, to get her first paycheck. She'd been working at a toy store in the mall, and she ran back to the car, and she opened up the check, and mom was looking at her, and she looked at it, and she just started crying. Mom said, what's the matter? And she said, they stole my money. <laughs> my mom was like, no, that's called taxes. <laughs> they tax you for working. <laughs> she had no idea. <laughs> that's what happens, man. And the scripture says that we should honor that, that we should pay our taxes. Uh, I explain this to my kids when they have ice cream bars. I take a dad tax. And the first portion of that candy bar goes to me. So they will have a better reaction <laughs> than my sister did. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, it's amazing. Romans, I'm just walking through the, I'm teaching you the Bible. People don't outline it and teach it. Romans 12, you know, you're, you're sharing your gifts and, and you get into like being a citizen, being a servant and blessing society and loving people. And here again in Romans 13, he tells us in verse eight, oh, no one, anything except to love them. I mean, that should be the distinguishing mark of a believer. It's interesting to me that all the doctrine you read about in Romans, sanctification, the justification by faith, the, the fallen sinful condition, and everything can be brought back to, if you just love people, things would work out well for you. Love is what fulfills the law. L love is like the highest thing. So he again is telling us, man, we got to be people who know how to love one another. That, that's part of being a good citizen in this society we're in. Now, I'm not just a citizen of America. I'm also a citizen of heaven. Yeah. Philippians 3 verse 20, that's what Paul said. And so I'm, I'm looking out for America. I'm praying for its leaders. I want it to do well and succeed. But I'm also looking for a kingdom that's coming. I'm looking for the return of the Lord. And I love the 11th verse. Romans 13, verse 11. He said, high time. That means that we're in a moment. They were in a moment then, 2,000 years ago. The last days begin with the birth of the church. And we are in the last moments of the last days. It's high time, he said, to wake out of sleep. For our salvation is nearer than it was when we first believed. So what we're doing here as citizens, we're watching for the Lord's return. And his coming is drawing very near. In case you hadn't read the newspapers lately. And the problem we have in America is you got too many people sitting in churches they're sleeping. That's the problem. And you know the problem with being asleep? You're asleep. You don't even know it. You go through your alarm. You get apathetic. 
The church is asleep. How do I know that? Because we've got people who don't have any spiritual hunger. And they just kind of, you know, show up when they want. Sometimes they come to church. Sometimes they don't. And, and there's no urgency. And I'm just telling you, man, we got a church culture in the West that is half awake, half asleep. And you know where it manifests is in the citizenship of the government. You want to know why the government's in so much trouble? It's because you got people sleeping who don't do things like vote. They don't study out what the issues are. They don't want to get involved in politics. I was so blessed to do my grandma's funeral. And you know, it turns out she was the Bainville uh, town clerk for 20 some odd years of her life. She had civic engagement. And it's an amazing thing to me. I watch people who just kind of push that aside. Because the truth is they're lazy and apathetic. They're sleeping. And as citizens, you and I better be awake to the times, not just spiritually awake, but look at what's going on in society. Look at how it's changing. All it would take is people who were on fire, awake, and alert to change the course, and it wouldn't be as hard as you think. That's what he's addressing right here. How are you going to tell if you are in a slumber? How are you going to tell if you're asleep? Well, one way is you get lethargic. You know, lethargy is that kind of half awake, half asleep thing. And ever had a nap you've taken, and then it takes you like uh, another long time to kind of wake up from the nap? Or maybe it's just me because I'm getting older. That's what happens to me. Sometimes I'm like, man, waking up from the nap is <laughs> more challenging than the nap. <laughs> you get apathetic. Like at night when you're so tired, you don't really care. You just want to get the kids off to bed. You fall asleep. I mean, the apathy, lethargy. These, these are real things that take place in people's lives. Uh, or it could be that there's no oil in your lamp. That's Matthew 25, the parable of the wise foolish and of the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. Some people had oil. Some people did not have oil. And when you have no hunger, no fire, no Holy Spirit, when, when you're not excited about seeing God move, when you, when you don't have this sense of joy about worshiping the Lord, when, when, when devotions are just mechanical and not monotonous, that's a time to tell, man, I need the fire of God in my life. My salvation's drawn near here, and I need to wake up to the times. I want to have a fire. I want to have oil in my lamp all the time. I want to be ready when the Lord's coming because it's nearer today than it ever was before. You can tell when you're asleep is when you have no love for people. I like 1 John 3, 17. If you see a brother in need and you don't do anything about it, how does the love of God dwell in you? Now, my friend Maureen here, I said, what are the needs in Moldova? He said, come, I'll have to show you. Because the needs of the world are great. I said, it can't be any worse than Pakistan. There's some great needs across the world. And you and I get to live in the most amazing place called America. I'm telling you, we are so blessed to live in this country. And if people would wake up and be wise to the times, boy, we could do some great things in America. We could see things change. There's so many needs in the world. We're blessed to live in America. I am grateful for people who fought for the freedom in our nation. People like my grandpa Kenny. You know, after my grandfather bombed Romania, you know what happened to him? He got malaria. You know what malaria is? Mosquito-borne illness where you get super sick. And he said he got malaria and he just had to lay in his bed, on a bunk bed there in a tent until after the war was over. He was there for two or three weeks. After his flight crew had flown off, they had to leave him there. He was sick. And he was really disappointed by that because he wanted to go back through Brazil. That's where his crew went. But he ended up on a different plane, and they ended up going back the way he came, 
up through northern Canada. He was disappointed, but he felt like he missed seeing parts of the world. Here's what I have discovered. When people are spiritually asleep, they will be disappointed because they're going to miss things in life. You're going to miss out what God has for you. You'll miss the plan of God. You'll miss being a part of the move he wants to bring. You'll miss being a part of what he wants in your life. And all it takes is for people to wake up to the times that we're wake up in the moment. Paul's writing that to the book of Romans 2,000 years ago. And it's almost like fresh off the pages from today's world. It's like people end up struggling in these spots. There's a trouble that I see taking place in the church. And it's like spiritual sickness like malaria that keeps people lethargic and not alert. There's a spiritual slumber that is taking place in, in the Western Christian world. So we allow false doctrines to penetrate churches. And we become accommodating to all kinds of ungodliness and wickedness. And we laugh at sin and we don't judge it and we get comfortable with it. And it's from slumbering. But I don't want to slumber. I want to be awake. I want to be a disciple. Do you want to be disciples this morning? You want to fall after him as close as you can? That's the only place I've found about holding on to the Lord, man. You got to hold on to him. I guess the question we got to ask is if you have surrendered your life to the Lord this morning. I mean, have you really surrendered yourself to Jesus? And I'll tell you how you do that, by renewing your mind. Sometimes people feel like they're under the oppression uh, you know, like I was, I was struggling. I had this oppressive spirit that was harassing me. And you can't blame demons. You have to blame the thoughts that you're thinking and cast them down. That's what spiritual warfare is. Casting down thoughts and imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So you got to read your Bible. That's where you're going to find truth. That's how I get my mind. When I read my Bible, I can see truth and judge myself. Am I awake? Am I asleep? When I read my Bible, it helps me overcome sin issues I'm facing. And I get my mind renewed from the inside out, and it brings transformation. And, and, and this, you know, five foot ten preacher of yours that was a caterpillar gets to become more like a butterfly just by reading the scriptures and renewing my mind. That is where I start surrendering to the will of God. Maybe you're struggling surrendering because you haven't let your mind be renewed by his word. Maybe the problem you're facing as a, as a disciple is that you're really not much of a servant. And I come across this with a lot of people. We live in a time when people want to be seen and they don't want to serve. But I'm telling you, there's no greater position. There's no greater privilege. There's no greater priority in life than being a servant. And there's always an opportunity for you to be a blessing to somebody else. It's funny, man. You talk about being a servant and sometimes you can just feel resistance building up. I'll tell you, I can see it. It's like in my own marriage sometimes. I might identify, oh, you know what? I did that wrong, and I got to do something better here for my wife. And I might even feel a slight sense of resistance telling me, no, 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 it's not worth that. That's called being selfish. That's not being a servant. And if you would just learn how to serve somebody, if you would just learn what it means to lay your life down, I'm telling you, man, God could use you in some of the greatest ways. And the last thing I just asked you this morning is if you're awake. Now, my wife has been snoring at night. I nudge her. And I don't know if I snore, because I don't know. I've never heard myself snore. She tells me I do. Yeah. But I, I nudged Elizabeth to move over. And you know what? She doesn't always wake up when I nudge her, because she's sleeping. People who sleep aren't always sensitive. When you are 
sensitive, your senses become aware. They become sensitive to sin. They become sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. They become, that's how do you know you're awake? I can sense God in a place. I can sense him moving. I can sense him speaking. I, I, I feel like I shouldn't do that. I, I have this sense in my spirit that this is wrong, this is right, or I, I want to be, I want to I bless him. That's what I want to be. I want to be awake. That's what he's saying in this passage of scripture. And you better be alert to the times. You better be awake. We're living in a moment here. I don't know if you've watched the news, man. World War III, they say it could break out at any moment. It's a remarkable thing. I don't know what's going to happen. Personally, I think there's a mighty harvest of souls that we got to get saved. Don't you think that? Yes. And if you're going to get people saved, you better be awake. You better be awake. I want to pray over you. I want to pray. And just from what we preached this morning, mm, I feel like the Lord's got... You know, I just sense in my spirit. I just, I feel like there's a lot of people in the room here who want to be used by God as servants. There's a hunger for that. But God wants to use you in greater ways than you imagine. It's like you've limited, I feel, I feel that you've limited God in some of the things he thinks, that you think he can use you for. And I'm telling you, he's got incredible, incredible, you will just say, Lord, I want to give my life to you in a greater way. I feel that in my spirit. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for an enlarged capacity. I pray that you increase our mind exceedingly, abundantly above everything we can ask or think. I, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for revelation, knowledge, and insight to come and flood the hearts and the minds of people. And I thank you that we're not going to limit the Holy One of Israel. We're going to be like people who pursue you, seek after you. Father, I thank you for great things ahead, great things ahead, great and mighty things ahead. Mm. Lord, I just thank you for your spirit moving. Now, it's funny, I'll be up here praying, and I, I just felt this prompting in my spirit about people uh, that, that you want to be used by God in a greater capacity. And then sometimes the Lord will highlight certain people in me. So I saw this curly hair uh, over here like a mop. Riley, will you stand up? I feel like the Lord, yeah, I've been talking about that. I just saw that. There, there's, mm, I feel like God's got bigger and greater things ahead for you. And I want to encourage you to press into him, lean into him. Man, you got a, quite a calling on your life in these last days. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now. Yeah, increase. Increase a spiritual hunger, a spiritual fire, a spiritual desire. Ooh, I feel like the temperature, the spiritual temperature in your life is going up. I, I, there's like a, a thermometer that is being turned up. And it's more than room temperature. I'm telling you, you're going up to like 80, 85, 90 degrees in that house. It's going to be hot and filled for the things of God. I pray that over their home in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Mm. Mm. Man, I feel the spirit of the Lord here this morning. You know what always happens in wartime in the world? Whenever there's conflict in the world, particularly in Israel, God will pour his spirit out on the church in incredible ways. Someone asked me once, what's God's about to do in the church next? I said, watch Israel. When you see war taking place in Israel, you will see totally new things, fresh things start in the church. I feel that, man. I feel, I, I feel like the, uh, the church world we're sitting in today is about to change dramatically. I'm telling you, don't think the Lord, don't limit him. Don't limit what he can do. He can do great and incredible things. Amen. I mean, will you stand up with me this morning? I feel the Lord's goodness in here. Uh, if you are spiritually asleep, man, this would be a time to get right with God. All right? If you're not walking with him, if you're not sensitive to sin, uh, you better be ready for his coming. He can come in a moment when you don't think. And you could be killed in a car wreck on the way home. 
and you'd miss out a moment. So I just want to give you an opportunity. If you're not right with the Lord, you can come down to the altar. I will pray with you personally. If you need prayer for anything in your body, we will pray for you. If you need wisdom, if you need to know what to do, if, if you're looking for direction and calling in your life, we have people here who will pray with you. Whatever you need, we'll pray with you. I just want to thank you for coming out. We love you very much. It is high time to be awake. Amen. 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 I love you very much. Um, Pastor Marine, uh, he, he's my good friend. I hope if World War III doesn't break out, <laughs> I want to get to Rome, Moldova with him in 2025. We have offering boxes in the back. You can give online at bethanybillings.com. You can also uh, write a check and or give cash. We will take straight cash, homie. You can... Put it in an envelope, mark it for missions, and everything we have is going to Moldova from today. You know, what's interesting is he came from New Life Church. Uh, he'd been a connection with there. He originally had come with Provision International, uh, and they met him years ago. And, and that was with uh, Dick Larson and Lance Lanning. And so he have found a way over here. And I think it's amazing how God works. We're taking everything that we have. We get to give it to New Life, and they wire it over there. And I just think it's great that churches work together on that. I think that's a wonderful kingdom thing. So if you feel led to donate, man, $5 goes a long way in Moldova. All right? If you got five bucks, sing to him. Whatever the Lord puts on your heart, 100 bucks, maybe it's more. There's offering boxes back there. I know it would be a great blessing to him to fulfill the purpose of God for his life. Amen? Amen. Amen. I love you all. We'll see you all next Sunday. God bless you. Come down for prayer if you want something.